and the work in Haiti continues really well. And um, we have made some changes. This is the first year in eight years that we haven't gone to Haiti. Last time we were, actually, this time last year we were in Haiti. And that was the last time we've been to Haiti. Reason, a couple of reasons, and mainly due to the people that we're working out there with. And so we've two organizations that take food regularly to the orphans and um, they expand their work, working in the mountains, in the school, in nursery, dispensary. So there's loads, of, there's loads of stuff going on, and we do appreciate the support, and it is very helpful that we can keep sending help to Haiti. So we do really appreciate all your prayers and all your support in that. I think we've been to Macedonia together, and we've been to um, Kosovo together. And I think me and Pete was in Haiti. You came to Haiti, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. That's right, I remember. So, yeah, so we have done uh, many various things. and um, But as I say, we appreciate you giving us the opportunity to come over and to share with the Word of God. I don't normally do this. So I'll ask you. I'm going to give you a choice. Um, let me check. Okay. I'm going to give you a choice for me to either speak on healing or for me to speak about Jesus feeding the 5,000. The reason why I've done that is I actually prepared the feeding of the 5,000 to share with you. But when I was sitting there, I just kept on thinking about this healing sermon that I've been preaching. And we've actually seen probably about 20 people healed. And we've actually a guy in the church, and all very... um, real and documented a girl in the church just last week read out a letter from a doctor she was to go in and get a knee operation and they actually said on the the letter well this is what i'm going to be preaching on isn't it so it actually said (laughs) on the letter i mean i mean it is really isn't it um yeah so i have to find it now yeah so she said on the letter um, she got the letter from the doctor, stood up and read it out, and the doctor said it was absolutely remarkable and unexplained that this woman's bones fused together again and she was able to walk and she didn't have to have an operation. Another guy came and he read out a letter and he said that not only he had prostate cancer for five years and he's been completely healed, and the doctor said it wasn't remarkable It wasn't remarkable that he was healed. The most remarkable thing was there's no trace of the cancer in his body, even though he'd been treated for five years. And then we had another woman who was in so much pain that she was constantly just taking extremely strong painkillers. I mean, extremely strong painkillers. And in her house, for a couple of days, she couldn't walk, and she was literally rolling out of the bed, crawling into the bathroom, crawling into the kitchen. And so she loaded up on a load of painkillers and um, she was in her house on the ground and she wasn't going to go to church and then she said, no, I'm going to go. And so she came to church. And while, while we were preaching about healing, she just got healed. She said, can I give a testimony at the end of the day? And I said, yeah. And she says, um, I've been, I can't walk. I've been in terrible pain and while you were talking about Jesus I just felt all the pain 
leave my body. The next week she came back. She hasn't taken on any painkillers and she asked for help because of the withdrawal symptoms because she was taking them for that long, I think 17 years. And then she told us that her daughter, 18 she was, and she walked out without any trace and she hasn't heard from her for seven years. And the night she got healed, there was a message from her daughter on her answer machine. Isn't that incredible? It's just amazing. And so what happened was, how we got onto all this, believe it or not, I got an invitation to preach in Crawley, Elam for the 50th anniversary. And I got an email off Jamie, and I did have to laugh at her. I haven't had a chance to talk to him about her, but I did have to laugh at her because, oh, Christy, we're having the 50th um, celebrations in Crawley, and we would love you to come and speak. On the Friday night, we have a comedian who's... <laughs> You know, doing a gig on Friday night. On Saturday night, we'd like you to do a healing service. And on Sunday night, we're doing an evangelistic service. And I'm thinking, how did I get stick, stuck with the healing service? I mean, you know, you, you preach on evangelism, you, you do a bit of comedy. But you have to actually see somebody getting healed for it to be a healing sermon service. And I thought, well, thank you so much for that. And so I... I looked and um, I found this amazing video and I, I, I should have brought, I don't have, I've, I've just looked, I, I don't have it. And it basically, a, a guy, he was a pastor for many years and the reason why I'm telling this, I, I actually um, called this sermon, I'm lost for words. And so there's a, a pastor and um, he got an infection in his throat and his vocal cords were attacked and long story short, Five years later, he's out of ministry. He can't speak. He, 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 he's left the area that he lived in because he didn't want to be, you know, cause a problem with the new pastor. He'd done everything really gracious. And um, he went to a new location. And after a couple of years, they sent him an invitation. Um, they gave him the scripture he was to speak on. And they gave him the theme that he was to speak on. And it was all recorded. And he was didn't want to go and his wife insisted and he said oh it's you know it's only a pity party but they insisted so eventually he went and um he was preaching on psalm 103 praise the lord my soul all my being praise his holy name praise the lord my soul and do not forget how kind he is he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases he keeps me from the grave and blesses me with love and mercy he fills my life with good things so that i stay young so he began to preach on this sermon and as he preached he was healed and he just got to the point, he was talking, I'll have to send you the video. If you can imagine, he was talking, you could barely hear him, was all throating, you know. And then he said, he lifts me from the pit. And when he said pit, something changed. And then he just, and then he had this amazing preaching voice. It was absolutely incredible. And everybody was cheering, his wife was in tears you could hear her crying in the back and after a few minutes when he knew his throat had come into being and he had no pain he stopped and he said i'm lost for words so that's why i called this sermon i'm lost for words here's a, a statistic for you in the uk 
GPs in the UK see over 1 million people every working day. The average patient visits the doctor just over five times a year and demands for services across the system, including general practice and wider primary care, continues to ride. To rise. That's around 42,000 people per hour go to see the doctor. 700 people per second go to the doctor every day. I think this year I've been to the doctor once. So I, I don't know how true the statistic is. But, you know, when I was in Bible college, we, we had a guy there, and um, he was from Africa, and, you know, it was really funny because the very first day, you know, you introduce yourself and, you know, I stood up on Christy Smith. I'm from Dublin and I had this in a church of about 30 people. Then someone from England, you know, I'm from London, a church of 300 people. Everybody said, wow, that's impressive, you know. And then the Africans get up. I'm Apostle Paul Yoni Akodini. And I minister to 15,000 people per week, and everybody's, what? And I remember he gave a testimony, and um, his daughter died. His, his, a young girl, four, four or five-year-old girl died, and he, she, she was sick. And so immediately, thinking, well, why didn't you just bring him to the doctor? Well, the doctor, the closest doctor, was nine hours away. And that's if they could get a vehicle to take them that far. And so, you know, there's no care. So he laid his daughter on the ground, and he prayed for her. And she came back to life. And he told us this story. And remember, and even today people ask me, do you think that people in these countries have more faith than us? I don't think they do. I just think they have less options. <laughs> do you hear what I'm saying? Because, yeah. see, we have a lot of options, don't we? Yeah. You know, we, we, we have the chemist. You know, we have our emergency medicine bag. You know, we have boots. You know, we have savers, we have the doctors, and we have specialists. And then, you know, we can crowdfund and go to the only guy in America, the only guy in, um, you know, Switzerland that can perform the operation. So we've loads of options. And I feel people in countries like Haiti, like these countries, I don't think they have more faith in us. And I don't think that God loves them more than he loves us. I just think that they, they don't have the options that we do. And when we begin to look at this whole process of healing, we have to believe, first and foremost, that the word of God is true. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. What I do have to say is, not everyone gets healed. And I'd like to ask you a question. Do you know anybody who has been prayed for, that you've seen or you've prayed for them, that didn't get healed? Put up your hand. Yeah? Okay. Do you know people? Actually, here's another question. Have you ever got prayed for and didn't receive healing? Put up your hand. Yeah? Here's another question. Do you know anybody that's been prayed for and have been healed? Have you ever been healed by prayer, emotionally, physically, or spiritually, when you've received prayer. Put up your hand. See, the truth is, God doesn't heal all the time, but he seems to heal a lot of the time. And we kind of have this view that we don't see many healings. And I remember when I was pre um, preparing for this, I, I, I remember the time that when I was going around all these different countries preaching, 
I kept on starting off the service by saying, I'm going to be praying for healing today. And I want to let you know, I don't see as much healing as I would like to. And God challenged me on that one day. And he says, because you're not looking to see people healed. And, you know, Linda will tell you, for a couple of years, we've just seen incredible miracles. We've seen a woman in um, Bulgaria, her leg was locked. She couldn't bend the leg. And I prayed for her. And there was about 600 people in the building. She was the first woman we prayed for. And when I prayed for her, I'd done the kind of what they do on Christian TV. You know, do something you've never done before. And so when I prayed for her, I said, how do you feel? She says, yeah, I feel better. So I said, do something that you couldn't do before. And there was a, a stage, and I had a very high first step. And I said, go ahead, do it. And I held the mic, you know, and trying to do the Benny Hinn impression, you know. And as she bent her knee, I heard the loudest crack and the loudest scream I've ever heard in my life. And I thought, I'm going to get sued. Because <laughs> it just went crack. And she, ah! And then she put her foot on the first step. And then she ran all the way up the stage, wow. ran back down the stage and up again. Yeah. You know, when we were in America, in New York, a woman came to us and, and she had a, a, a lump on her head. And, it was, you know, she was going to the doctor the next day, so we prayed for her. And then following night, she came back to the meeting. And she came up and she gave a testimony and was completely gone. The, you know, she went to the doctor and said it was completely gone. And, and we were feeling it, you know. And I said to them, it was there, wasn't it? You know, we, it, it, and then it's funny because when we were in, um, in London at an Alpha course, I really wasn't in good form. And, you know, I went to the meeting and I just wanted to go to the meeting, get something for myself and leave. And they said, oh, we're going to break up and we want everybody to pray for the people next to them. And I thought, I'm not praying for anybody. You know, I'm not here to pray for anybody. I'm just here to get something for myself. And the woman stood beside me and she looked at me and she and they said, if there's anybody standing beside you, just reach out to pray for them. And she looked at me and I looked at her and I thought, no, I'm not doing it. I just said that. <laughs> so she looked again and I thought, okay, so I said, okay, what do you want to be healed for? And she says, I have this lump on my top of my neck about here. You know, and I thought, well, I don't want to touch it now. You know, I don't know what it is. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, you know, so I put my hand on it. And as I touched it, I said to the other guy, just pray, will you? And I had my hand on her head and it just disappeared wow. immediately miraculously so god does heal today he's the same yesterday and forever you know the bible talks about in the new testament james chapter 5 if any man is sick let him go to see the elders and they should anoint him with oil and they shall recover now there's loads of aspects of that but one aspect i want you to know about that particular verse is the word sick is wholeness it's, it's the same word, root word, that's used for salvation. It's bringing you wholeness and completeness. And so when the Bible says, if any man is sick, that means physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And very often people need, especially in the, in, in the lifestyle that we live today, people need emotional healing. People need spiritual healing. I meet people that have had difficulties in the Christian life, maybe at the beginning of faith, or you know, maybe they left a difficult church, or maybe they were a difficult person and the church asked them to leave, or maybe they were caught in between 
difficult people and they were hurt and they they walk away from church they walk away from the lord or, you know they never fully recover they make statements like I'll, I'll never trust another pastor again you know i'll never help the church again then then people are spiritually wounded they're hurt and you know the saying hurt people hurt people and very often, when we look at scripture, we only think about physical healing. But I believe that, as it says in James 5, it's talking about physical, spiritual, and emotional healing. People are traumatized. People have gone through different things. And one of the things that we see in scripture is that everywhere Jesus went, he healed people. Emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Everywhere he went, he heals people. Someone said that the calling card of Jesus was healings, signs, and wonders. We've just been to Israel recently. We had a wonderful time. And as you walk around Israel, and as you drive around Israel, the most amazing thing is you see road signs. Bethlehem, 60 miles. It's like Bethlehem. You know, that's, you know it's incredible. The Sea of Galilee, 52 miles. You're like, wow. Ashdod, you know. Mount Carmel, you think that's where Elisha was. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. But what we did do is when we went to Israel, we went on to the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. And when you're in Galilee, when you're overlooking the lake, it's incredible. And you see where Jesus was brought up in Capernaum and Nazareth and all these places are all around. And it's absolutely incredible. But, you know, when you went from town to town... If you wanted to know if Jesus had been in that town, all you had to do was say to somebody, has anybody been healed? Has any miracles taken place in this town? Because every town Jesus went to, he, he, he healed people. And so it says, when sunset, after sunset, all who had friends who were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus. He placed his hands on every one of them and he healed them all. I think that's amazing that everybody that was brought to Jesus, he, he healed them. And the purpose of me being here, the purpose of me sharing this message is to bring you to Jesus. I can't heal people. There's no point in me saying, you know, oh, come and, you know, a great friend of mine is a healer. No, Jesus is the healer. And so I'm here this morning as a signpost, as somebody that's coming alongside you. And I'm just saying to you, listen, if you're sick, whether it's physically, spiritually, emotionally, if you're sick, if you're hurting, if you're in pain in your life, I'm just coming here to say, come to Jesus because he heals the sick. He releases the oppressed and he brings favor to all those who love him and call upon his name. You know, if I was to look at all the miracles of Jesus, we'd be here all day. Actually, John says in John's gospel, if I were to write down all the things that Jesus did, that the world wouldn't be big enough to contain the books that would be written. So when we get a glimpse into the life and ministry of Jesus, and it's all about healings, could you imagine how many healings he must have done? All those who were brought to him, he healed. And then the disciples... They kept in that same way and everywhere they went. And, you know, I, I, I just think that sometimes we don't really look into this stuff. You know, I love people get afraid, but I love the idea that the apostles shadow 
cast over people, heal them. Could you imagine? Could you imagine when people began to hear that? And there's Peter and John stand there messing about, you know, talking about Jesus and the good old days and the shadows on the ground. And you have crippled people trying to get into that shadow because people were healed when the shadow was cast over them. Because God heals. And everybody who was brought to Jesus, he healed. I could talk to you about a number of miracles, but I want to talk three miracles. The first one, is in Mark chapter 5. The man afflicted by demons. His emotions and mental health was afflicted. And it says that, you know, the demonized man, and um, it says in Mark 5, 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. I think one of the keys of healing and receiving the miraculous is surrendering. As soon as he saw Jesus at a distance, he didn't try to run away. He didn't try to manipulate the situation. He ran in front of Jesus and he just surrendered. He just said, this is me, Jesus, in all my brokenness, in, you know, I'm full of demons. I'm surrendering. I'm laying down. I'm bound down before you. He wasn't looking at options. He surrendered. And I have no doubt in my mind that in my life and your life at this time, there's situations and circumstances that you need a touch from Jesus, but you're looking at options. Because it's hard to totally, completely surrender to God. The second miracle, which is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, and it's the centurion who took Jesus at his word. Sorry, no, first of all, before I go to that, the woman with the issue of blood. She was excluded from her faith. She was afflicted. She was an outcast. She didn't do anything wrong. She just had this disease at that time rendered her totally and absolutely rejected in society and in religion. She was deemed unclean. She had spent all her money on doctors. And the Bible says, and now she was even worse off. <laughs> you know what that's like, isn't it? When you explore every idea, every way to get out of something, and you still can't get out of it. You're in a worse place than you started. Because again, you have no options. And she had no options. The faith, the strength, the courage it took her, the boldness it took her to walk into that crowd. And she reached out and touched Jesus. And it says that she was healed instantly. What I'm asking you to do this morning if I bring you to Jesus is will you surrender to him? Then I'm asking you, will you reach out and touch Jesus with faith. I love, the, I love the disciples. You know, they keep me in a job because I think if they could make their mistakes, it, it's okay for me to, you know, make these mistakes because everybody's around Jesus and this woman touches him. And, you know, the disciples are great. They're always arguing with Jesus, you know. And Jesus, who touched me? And, you know, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody is touching you. There's hundreds of people. Now, hang on, listen. Who touched me with faith? 
See, that's the difference. You know, that song, 100 billion stars in the air. People touch God's creation every day. But it's only when you touch God with faith can you receive the miraculous. Because the Bible says, you know, you cannot please God without faith. She touched him with faith. And then the centurion who took Jesus at his word. I love it. It says, first of all, he sent people out to ask Jesus to heal them. And then he came out after them. And as he was talking, he did the servant, as he was walking out, the servant came and says, Jesus has come to help. He said, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. So he comes up to Jesus and said, no, listen, don't bother coming to my house. He says, I'm a captain in the Roman army. I know how authority works. If I say to this guy, jump, he's going to say, how high? In the Roman army you did when you were told. And so he says to Jesus, look, I know who you are. I know what you're capable of. You don't have to come to the house. Just give the order. And Jesus was astonished. The word astonished, the Greek word, believe it or not, is more likely to be translated as gobsmacked. <laughs> Jesus was gobsmacked. He said, in all of Israel, I haven't seen faith like this. Jesus was literally left with his mouth open. He was like, what? You know that look? And there's only two times that ever happened to Jesus. The one I've just told you about. Anybody know what the other one was? Jesus was gobsmacked in his own town when there's no faith for him. The same word is used. He was astonished at the lack of faith. So if you want to Give Jesus that gobsmacked look. <laughs> you can do it two ways, with no faith and with great faith. And so when we begin to look, you know, we believe that Jesus heals today. We've seen it. I've experienced it. Well, I'll tell you a little bit as we close, but most of you will already have known it. But the question really is, will you surrender? Will you reach out and touch Jesus with faith and will you just simply take Jesus at his word? Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He says, come to me, all who are heavy laden and burdened with life. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Rest from your fears, your anxieties, your rejection, your diseases. Rest from the burdens of this life. And he says, the burden I will give you is light. For my yoke is easy. You know what a yoke is? In Ireland, a yoke is anything and everything. But in the Bible, a yoke is what they put over the oxen. You know, they, they take the yoke, two pieces of wood, and they put it on top of the oxen, they strap it on, and he pulls. And in poorer times, they made very heavy yokes, which was not great for the animal. Because before the animal even began to pull something, he was already way down for life. And the other thing is, because they were expensive, they would use the same yoke on different oxen. And sometimes they didn't fit so well, because the oxen are shaped differently. And see, what God is saying is, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And he will only give you what he knows you can carry. 
And if you're weighed down by sickness, if you're weighed down by anxieties, by fears, by emotional trauma, by spiritual problems in your life, by regrets, by shame, if you're weighed down by anxiety, by any of those things, Jesus is saying to you now, come to me and I will give you rest. You know, we tried to work it out. We think it's 17 years ago. I'll do it briefly because I think most of you have heard. How many of you have heard my healing testimony? couple. Okay. I won't go on too long. Well, 17 years ago, James Glass was in my church. He was preaching on a Sunday morning. And he was upstairs in the shower. And Linda was getting ready. And I come downstairs and I opened the cupboard and I looked and I was taking down some tea and coffee. I shouted up to Linda, Linda, it's five to nine. Ask James, does he want tea or coffee before we go to church? I didn't hear the answer to the question because it was like somebody hit me in the back of the head with a sledgehammer. And what had actually happened was I had a subarachnoid brain hemorrhage, which means that inside my brain, uh, not an aneurysm, an aneurysm is on the outside of your brain, usually on one or two of your temples. That's where you, you see the scars. And what happened to me, sub means as a submarine inside my brain, Arachna is from arachnophobia and spider's web. It wasn't one vein. It was a multiple of vessels. And a hemorrhage is a bleed. So in the middle of my brain, actually it wasn't the middle, it was in the back of my brain. And the reason why I was no, it was in the back of my brain is because when they done the x-rays, he said there's a well of blood on the back of your brain and it's draining into your spine. You have now non-bacterial meningitis and you have your brain which is swelling because of the blood can't uh, dis um, disappear dissipate and he said so what's going to happen is you, you're going to go into incredible pain and you'll fall into a coma and if by any miracle you come out of that coma you will be blind and crippled for the rest of your life because where the bleed took place is that whole area where you need for mobility and all of those things and that was Sunday morning. 14 days later, well, there was seven days of battle <laughs> where I felt like I was dying. And they told me I was dying, and they literally left me to die. And then on the fifth day, they done an angiogram, and it went wrong, and I had a reaction to what they put into my bloodstream. And then I was taken back up, well, I was taken to prep for theater because I hadn't got a heart attack but my heart was stopped beating and start beating out of um, shape and so I'm literally lying there and there's a guy standing in front of me in full stuff hands up in the air and says to Linda we're going to take him upstairs we're going to try open the, his skull try let a bit of pressure off his brain and I could hear all this talk and I'm like no <laughs> You know, no, it's, you know, get a black and decker and no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so I said to Linda, don't let them do it. I said, I don't, I'm, I'm not giving you permission to do it. And he said, well, you're actually very ill. We can get the permission from your wife. And so I said to Linda, don't let them do it. And she said, no, we're not going to do it. And he said, well, actually, I can just do it. And we said, well, you know, you're doing it against their will. So he said, I'll give you 10 minutes and we're going to check your vitals every 10 minutes. And if there's nothing improved, 10 minutes. There's not an improvement, we're going up. So they came down, took all my vitals, it was all over the place. Ten minutes, the nurse was like, it's 
slightly better. There you go. <laughs> 10 minutes, 10 minutes, and then I just started to recover. And that was in the morning. That day, Dennis Phillips came to see me, and he was away. He's a pastor, and he just said to me, you know, he came in. Dennis was a great guy, and he says to me, where's the pain? It's like, you know, guess, you know, brain hemorrhage, you know. And, you know, he said, tell me where all the pain is. And, and so we went through the whole thing. And, and I hadn't slept at all for more than 10 or 15 minutes without waking up in a panic because I thought, you know, I was in a coma and wasn't going to wake up. And he prayed for me. And then I think I was asleep for about five hours when Linda came up. And then from that day, in the next seven days, I just recovered miraculously. And I left hospital after 14 days. When I was leaving the hospital, they gave me some tablets to reduce because I had a 70% chance of having another hemorrhage. And so they gave us these tablets to reduce it, but I had an, a, a reaction to them, so I had to stop taking them. And um, so when, when I went home, they said to Linda, if he has a secondary hemorrhage, don't bother ringing the ambulance. Just sit with him because he'd be dead in a couple of minutes. And so I left with that. And each night, you know, you wake up and you think, you know, yeah, they think this is it. And you're waiting for your head just to go pop, you know, when you're dead. And so I was in the room. And, um, you know, when one of the things is, I knew I was a Christian. I knew I was saved. I believe in what the Word of God says. So I remembered in where I was, me and in the hell towns, asked Jesus Christ into our life. So I knew I wasn't going to hell, because that's what the Bible says. But I didn't want to go to the death bit, you know, because each night when I was in hospital, a darkness would come into the room, and then I would find this. That it was like as if it was a blackness coming up, and when I'd get to here, I'd be shouting in tongues and praying, and then it would seem to to, to go away. And I, I, I felt the Lord speak to me, and He said, "I'm not behind this. He is." And there was a silhouette behind the curtain of uh, a demonic figure and um, so I thought okay this is not from God so you know uh, but I still struggled with this whole idea of dying going through that blackness and then one night I was in bed and I really thought this is it my head is going to explode the pain was unbearable and then um, I was because I hallucinated one day with the pain was that bad remember one night and so um, I was in bed and I had read in John's gospel it says, in my father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would tell you. When the time comes, I will come to you and I will bring you to the place which I have prepared for you. I thought, wow. And I just got the revelation. Death doesn't come for the believer. Jesus comes. So that night my head was exploding and, you know, I was in bed and I woke up and I thought, this is it. And the darkness came into the room, the demonic presence came into the room. And I just said, okay. And the fear gripped me, and I prayed. I put my hand towards the wall, prayed for my children. God, you know, don't let them resent you, blah, blah, blah. Put my hand on Linda, prayed for her. God, don't let her get married again. You know, just... <laughs> let her live in mourning for the rest of her life. <laughs> Wearing black, of course. <laughs> and um, I just lifted up my hands... And I said, Lord, if you're here to take me... I didn't pray that. Lord, if you're here to take me to that place which you have prepared, 
I'm ready to go. All fear lifted me. The presence left. A couple of weeks later, I was in church in Crawley, preaching at the tent mission. And um, God heals. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what I'm here to do is I'm, I'm, looking, I'm not wearing a suit. I'm not jumping up and down and trying to convince you. I'm just here to say... You know, in, in the Bible it says, Thanks be to God, the God of all comfort, who comforts in their trouble, so that we can comfort those who are in trouble. The word used there is paraclete. It's, it's a paracletus. And what it says is, Thanks be to God, the God who paraclesis comes alongside us in their trouble, so that we can paraclesis come alongside those who are in trouble. So I don't think we have to whip it up and start shouting and, you know, I just think we just have to come and surrender before Jesus. Be bold. Step out of your seat and reach out and touch Jesus. And thirdly, just take Jesus at his word. If he says he can heal you, he can heal you. And we've seen those healings. Another woman, um, the same night, so what happened was I preached this sermon and I prayed in Crawley and one or two people responded and told me, um, you know, that God really touched them. And so when I went back to my own church the following week, I, I basically the same thing I've just told you. And while I was preaching that sermon, the two women got healed. But at the end of the sermon, there was a woman standing and she stood up. She comes to church maybe once a month or something, once every six weeks. And she stood up while I was just bringing the meeting to a close. And I could, I just seen her when I was talking. And she stood there and she put her hand behind her back and she went like that. And then she done this and I thought, I hope she's not doing yoga or something. Like, what on earth is going on? <laughs> like, I'm still preaching here, you know? And she just says, Christy, can I... Say something. I said, yeah, no problem. And I said, no, she, no, you hold the mic. And I held the mic, and then she just went like this. I was in a dog attack a couple of years ago, and I literally, she had a heart attack. And she was five dogs, and she was in the middle of it. And she pulled out our socket, and she was going in that week on Wednesday to have an operation to get a rotary cuff done, which means she can never work again because she walks dogs and they pull. And that's the love of her life. And she told us all this. And then she just stood and she said, and I know this morning I couldn't do that. And then she says, and that's why I've done that, because the doctor gives... And she actually could go higher than her normal hand. So a girl in the church jumped up, Penny, who's a close friend of hers, and we didn't know what was going on. She picked up this big jug of water and brought her up and said, Don, you said yesterday when we were at lunch... What I'd like to be able to do is lift a water jar over my head. Because when they were at lunch, um, Penny said, could you grab the water jar to bring in? She says, I would love to. I can't lift this shit. I would love to stand and I would lift it over my head. So she gave it to her and she stood up in church. And she just, didn't she? It was absolutely incredible. Then we went up to Scotland to James Glass's church and I preached the same. And the healings, you just couldn't believe. But this one woman... It was, it was one of those. She was the first to get prayed for. And she was in, in a wheelchair and she had a, a, a carer with her. 
And, you know, that's a hard one, isn't it? Because the first, because I saw your faith, you know. And so I went over to her and she was able to stand up. And I prayed for her. And when I prayed for her, I mean, she fell down hard. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I hope she's okay. So I continued to pray for her. And after about five, six, eight minutes, I left and started praying for everybody else. And we were praying for maybe an hour, an hour and a half. And she was still lying on the ground. And, and God was just all over so I was thinking, you know, I mean, I was thinking we want to get a curry tonight. We haven't eaten since church, you know. And I'm like, are you okay? Come on. <laughs> like she's out in the Lord, you know what I mean? And I'm like, everywhere will be closed. Come on. <laughs> so I'd forgotten the whole thing about, our, you know, the wheelchair and the legs and all the rest of it. So I said to her, can you grip her? I said, well, just roll up onto the chair. And she just rolled up onto the chair and then she stood up. And um, she, she was wanting, I said, look, we're going to go. I said, you know, lock up after, you know. <laughs> so we left. And when she was walking out, she has a steel rod um, fused to her spine since childhood years. And it's, it's at there now intertwining with her spine. And when she was walking out, God said to her, bend down and tip your toes. And she said, I can't. And he said, do it. And she bent down. We've got a photograph sent to us two weeks later from James Glass. If I'd have went up two weeks later, I wouldn't have recognised her. She has been totally transformed. Beautiful photograph. She's standing. She has a carer with her 17 years. Her, her daughter has freaked out. Her daughter's not a Christian. And her daughter sees her walking around and talking to people. And her daughter is just freaked out. She doesn't know how to handle it. She's just totally gone off the rails with her. She won't talk to her, and she, she won't answer her phone calls. She just thinks, what on earth is going on? This is like, you know, mental. And so God heals. Surrender. Surrender to God. Reach out. Faith. Lord, I'm just going to reach out by faith. No promises. Oh, if you do this, I'll do it. Just reach out. God, you said you heal. I want to take you out your word. You said you heal. Please heal me. The surrender bit we do in our hearts. The faith bit, I think there has to be a demonstration. So if you want to stand up and even step forward, you know, if you want healing for anything, mind, body, or soul, if you want to come up to the front, we'll pray for you guys. But you're not coming to us, you're coming to Jesus. And he's the God who never changes. Everywhere Jesus went, he healed people. And he wants to heal people today. He wants to heal you in your mind, in your body, in your spirit. And if you've no options, well, this is a great opportunity. So if you'd like prayer for healing, just stand up and come forward and we'll pray for you.